Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. The Afterlight Institute proudly presents Activating Your Inner Genie. In this course, you will learn to build a strong foundation, activate a supportive mindset, transform into your future self, awaken to what you truly want, spot signs and symbols from your spirit guides, and learn how to attract abundance ongoing. If you are ready to make the rest of your life the best of your life, this course is for you. It's time to create a life of abundance and prosperity. Step into your power by activating your inner genie with Lauren Grace. Register now at theafterlightinstitute.com. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. Grace here and welcome to the show. I am joined today by Marike Lexmond. She reads tarot cards, loves food, photography, and travel. She has three sassy little dogs that she likes to take everywhere and even have their own Instagram account. Her background in filmmaking enabled her to travel and live around the globe. Storytelling is in her blood. From saving her allowance from a very young age to buy books to her master's degree from the Dutch Film Academy, Fantasy and science fiction are her favorite genres. She prefers to write fun and mystical stories. Her attraction to nature and places with a magical history brought her to New Orleans and the west coast of Ireland. As a pagan, she felt an instant connection to the land. It feeds her imagination and has become the inspiration for the Madigan Chronicles. She is a solitary witch and for her, it is a way of living. The Madigan Chronicles is a story about three generations of witches where she has blended a little bit of reality with fantasy. Today, Marike is joining me to talk about spells. We're going to be talking about her journey through life, whether or not she's got some good gems, some nuggets of wisdom that she can share with us as well. We're also going to be talking about living a magical life, honoring your truth and following the path that is right for you. So thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Welcome. Well, thank you, Lauren, for having me here. I'm very excited. Now, I will say that one of the things I do aim to do always is if I'm going to be interviewing anyone about their books, that I've read the books. So today we're not going to be focusing as much on the Madigan Chronicles because I have not read them yet. So maybe we'll have to bring you back for another episode after I've read them. I will tell you that I have heard fabulous things like they are total page turners, can't put them down. So I am definitely signing up to read them. And I'm not just saying that I actually will because I love fantasy. So we will kind of carry on that conversation a little bit. Well, let's just say another time today, I'm going to take the focus somewhere else. And um, at the end of the show as well, I will give you an opportunity to let people know how they can get a hold of you, get a copy of the books and et cetera. So first of all, tell me a little bit about where your spiritual journey began. Did it begin with your love of writing, with your love of fantasy, or was it something that you learned? I uh, went to film school in Amsterdam. 
And uh, while I wandered through the city there, on the edge of the red light district there, you have a little store called Himalaya. I think it's even still there. And I just was drawn to it. And I got into tarot decks. I just loved the art. And I started reading about that. And then I started to see books more about witchcraft. So during my time, I went to film school there. I, you know, it was a little part of it, but... You know, my focus was completely on filmmaking then. And by the time I met my husband and we moved somewhere, bought a home, I got the book from Marion Green, A Witch Alone. And I started doing that chapter by chapter. And she gives you a tremendous amount of titles to read. And so month by month, I went through it and I just felt more at home. And I thought, this is more uh, how I want to live. Because for me, witchcraft is more a way of life than it's a religion or something that I think you should follow. And one of the things I really like about it is you can totally make it your own. There's no set way. And I found that living with nature and the cycles of the moon um, makes me happy. And I think that's uh, what a life is in the end about. Is finding something that gives you at least peace or that you're comfortable with in a daily life. Yes, I agree. And I think that when I think about, you know, having ritual and, and practicing your own way of doing things and adding that little magic and mystery into your day, it, for me, it would just make every day exciting and interesting and joyful, almost like you're tapping into that inner child joy. I think we lose a lot when we grow up. And mm. I think as a child, you're way more sensitive. You're right about that. And that's a beautiful way of seeing that witchcraft is putting you in touch with that. For me, I think it's about all your senses. It's like in the morning, I walk my dogs and I see the light filtering to the trees and on the edge of where the where you see the light beam, I, you can almost feel the magic here. So uh, for me to just even walking on the street, I feel it, but you have to be open to it and you have to want to see it. I think mm -hmm. because wherever you live in the end, you can be surrounded by magic. Mm -hmm. But um, I do feel to find a place to live where you connect with your surroundings. Like I lived in California for a long time and I never, although I have some sort of love-hate relationship with it, I never felt at home there because there's so much fire energy and I have very little fire energy. I'm a Virgo. I'm very earthy. I need a lot of water. So I found California difficult, or at least where I lived, difficult to live with the fires. And here in New Orleans, I just feel it resonates more with me. And then I found that by living in so many different places, I, I learned to hone down what connects with you and what feeds more your spiritual soul. I know that you identify with being a solitary witch and you did sort of mention about being able to kind of find your own path. So, you know, when was it that you realized that living in California wasn't serving you and then you decided to make the big move and you know, why is it that sometimes people know something isn't right for them, but it takes a real kick in the butt or some kind of outward thing to happen to get them to actually take that action? I never realized for a long time that that was the problem. You know, I lived there for many years and then I house it for a friend and uh, it was for several months and um, that house was uh, at the beach. And 
I did feel good by the water at the beach. And I thought, gosh, why do I feel good here? And I really started to think about it. Yeah. And, you know, is it the pleasant home? Or And even though they had a wonderful home, it was not the home. I realized that I could walk by water every day and uh, connect to the ocean made such a huge difference. And then even though I lived only half an hour away further inland I thought that makes such a difference there then I started thinking and it took me many more years and you know sometimes you can't choose in life we stayed there for a longer time when we had the opportunity to finally say gosh we don't need to stay here we can choose any place in America where we can live we ended up in New Orleans because it reminds us of Amsterdam and you're surrounded by magic here. It's a magical place. It's very unique. It's easier to connect to your witch part here than anywhere else for me. I can see that that would be the case. So how do you know when something's right for you or not? Like, do you notice that when you're following your path, when, when things are working for you, that you have that kind of the synchronicities and the flow and, and everything's just working out and feeling natural and and then when things aren't like that, there's maybe a stop start or how do you kind of check in with yourself as to whether or not you're heading in the way in the direction you want to go in or, or not? I think that's a very difficult question <laughs> because. Uh... <laughs> you're welcome, Marike. <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> because I don't think the path is so clear cut. I feel I have set goals. I am on a clear path of what I want for myself. But the problem is, is that you have to learn to recognize the signs from the universe. The path is not always what you imagine yourself. Your path is not so clear cut. You can't think, oh, I want to end up the witch queen of New Orleans. Huh? So <laughs> I just a silly example, you know, it might be that on that process of getting there, you get other side paths and you might end up being talk show host or something could be your your paths although you were sitting for going for that queen part you yeah. ended up being somewhere else which you might even be happier a path isn't a straight thing mm -hmm. your path is throwing stuff at you uh it's recognizing it's learning lessons it's growing and by growing you change and by changing your goal might change you know it might not fit you anymore mm -hmm. So if you ask me when I went to film school in Amsterdam, you will become a writer. I would say, are you crazy? You know, I, I can't write it. I, if you get an email from me, it's, if you're lucky, if you have two sentences, you know, I'm, I'm just not, let alone write a whole book. So if you would have said it to me 20 years ago, I would have said you were insane, but my path led me here and it makes me super happy. Yes. So you know, it's, it's just, it's about recognizing the moments that you think, gosh, this makes me happy and actually being willing to change. Because I think that's one of the most important lessons I've learned in life is being willing to change and realizing you don't know anything. So you, <laughs> the more you know, the less you know. I think the universe is very good at reminding you sometimes constantly that you have to change something. Sometimes like, oh, you didn't learn this lesson yet. Let's do it again. We're always, you know, operating at our own level of consciousness as well. And that's, you know, something that I know to be true that, you know, what we know to do better now, we didn't know back then, or we would have done it differently. One of the things that you did mention when we first started speaking was you mentioned the cycles of the moon. And I guess when you were talking about how there isn't a linear path, how 
a path can take you in maybe ebbs and flows and down different trails that you may not have thought you would walk down before. I guess I'm wondering whether or not you feel that the cycles of the moon and the cycles of life as well do play a factor as to deciding the journey that we're going on. And I can tell you that I've been learning a little bit lately about the cycles of the moon, but I'm still finding it a little bit difficult to wrap my head around it all. So I was wondering if you could speak to the cycles of the moon a little bit, especially as a woman, and whether or not you've been using them in particular ways and during specific times of, of your life. And uh, yeah, just sort of your thoughts on that, because I, I feel like there's this untapped source of energy and power that if we know how to harness it, that we can really make the rest of our life the best of our life. I think the moon influences are a lot. You can even see it in the ebb and flow of the ocean, like, and when there's a full moon or a new moon, you have the spring tide. So you can see there are more energies at that moment. I personally always bless my spells on the full moon because I feel that is the most charged time around you. You have to end the cycle and you begin something new. The, I think once the moon is waning, you let stuff go. And I really try to think about that. With the new moon, a good thing to do is always, you know, if you want to release something, release it on the full moon. And then by the, the next two weeks, when the moon is waning, you can really let things go and clean house. I try to be aware if I build something or if I clean something, if what's moon cycle we are in, because I do think it gives it an extra boost. That is the time to put things in the world. The cycles blend into each other because you also have the cycle of the seasons, which yes. I personally find also strong. The spring, when things come to life, you start new projects, new ideas. It's You work on it in the summer. It's becoming to full bloom. You really go out with it. You go outward with your project. And by the time you come to the fall, you start thinking a little bit about how can I improve stuff? And then in the winter, you really work on making things, you know, look a little bit more inward and take the time to put the details in. Bring you start putting new life in it again. By integrating the cycles together, you sometimes can get extra boosts on certain times. Throughout my life, at a certain point, I was very attuned and then you lose it a little bit because it's very difficult to always do the same thing. And I think also you have to experiment to try out what works for you. Yes. So always doing the same things, even though it serves you for a certain time. Mm -hmm. By experimenting, trying new stuff, you can add layers. Experiment a little bit with the moon and try it out and see how it feels for you. Because there's no one way. There's a way for you. And there's a way for me. And there's a way for everybody. But you yeah. have to find your own way. You can't find it until you try stuff. It's funny because I live in Australia and, you know, I'm noticing, I've started paying attention, I guess, to how I feel during the seasons. And I can find that there, there's still elements of me that I really connect more to the North American seasons because I'm Canadian. And so even though it might be summer where I live, I actually feel like I'm in more of a winter. So I guess it comes down to what you were talking about earlier, which is honoring your own path and that it doesn't necessarily have to be what the person on the right or the left of you are doing. No, because I can only imagine how much that messes with you if you're on a different hemisphere. I find it already difficult. 
I'm originally from the Netherlands. I live here in the States. I have a holiday home in Ireland, but I still feel my body after all, you know, I live here for 15 plus years is still the best attuned if I'm in Ireland or the Netherlands. Yeah. It just falls into place. Even though I can handle the heat better now where I live, still deep down, if I'm in Ireland, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm home. I have no drop of Irish blood, but I feel connected to the land. The land speaks more to me. And, and I must say, this is the first time I live somewhere in the States that I also feel more connected to the land. And that's probably why I feel at home here. Mm-hmm. And that has then, in that sense, nothing to do with the seasons, because here it doesn't really get so much seasonal as where I'm coming from. But coming from Canada, I can imagine that it's totally switched. Yes. It must be a complicated journey for you, your body. Yeah. It's just so different. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I've been in Australia for over nine years now, or almost nine years, but I still, and I, I never really paid much attention, honestly, until recently about how I was feeling during the seasons. And I kind of, now it makes more sense to me about why I might be more tired at certain parts of the year. And yeah, so it's really quite a fascinating experience. Marike, you identify as being a solitary witch. I'm curious as to when you decided to start calling yourself a witch publicly, and was that a difficult thing for you to have to do? Uh, really very publicly I start saying it since I published the books because I want to be clear about it but Mm -hmm. for all my you know for my most adult life I always said to friends or family or whoever if you didn't notice I was a witch you weren't paying attention (laughs) if you come into my home or you know you, you couldn't you can't miss it oh I love that although my husband is not on the same path he has always been very open about it and um finding me things and stuff like that so it's always been like this but I've been more focal about it the last couple of years because Mm -hmm. I feel that uh, you know people often think oh it's uh, scary people and they uh, they curse you or whatever for me it's just living with nature and using all those things to make your life I call it more magical, but just more attuned, listen more to yourself, to your body, to, you know, things around you. Because I think if you're aware, it would be good for everybody. I'm a solitary witch. I try to integrate in groups, but I'm just not a group person. Mm. So I did try that on my journey, but I'm just, I'm I'm probably just a little strong-headed or something. But I I just, uh, I don't feel comfortable with others in that sense. I just want to do it my own way. And I I, I don't want to be restricted in a certain way, or you have to follow this particular path. If I like something from a certain path, I will just take it and make it my own. I think most of the time, most pagans are pretty open-minded and easygoing in that sense so the only thing i do is i try to go to tarot conference once a year to meet the tarot people we just love that so you know it's funny because i think that there's a lot of pressure sometimes especially on younger generations as they're coming up to kind of conform to sort of be a certain way and sort of follow you know this particular blueprint or this roadmap or go that way or, or whatever and you know, I guess it comes down to what we were speaking about at the beginning of the call, which is honoring where you're at and finding your truth. And, and I guess we maybe are more powerful or stepping into our power and 
feeling more comfortable with that as time goes on. So do you think that as you've gotten older, you've become even more sort of, I don't want to say solidify, but I guess more confident, more clear on who you are and, you know, where you're going. And maybe that's also part of it that you, you don't need outside validation or support because you're so ingrained in, in who you are. I was super confident in my twenties. Very confident. I, I felt very confident. Anyway, I, I, I the whole which thing didn't bother me. That's what I am. People should accept me at that. In my 30s, I started to become more doubtful, but also learn more. And then I found also that things are just not as clear cut. I think now I've cycled back, talking about cycles, to feeling more in my power. Because I do think I am more connected. I can explain better where the power is coming from. It's been going from pure intuition to being able more to say, hey, I need earth, I need water. And I, I wouldn't recognize that 20 years ago. I simply wouldn't. I feel more secure. I don't care that much more what people think about you. You can't please everybody. And I think the problem these days, as you say, people are being put in boxes all the time. Even if you're different, people try to label you. Yeah. And I think let's just accept the idea of people, whoever they are, whatever they do, you know, it doesn't matter as long as they feel comfortable. It's about them. You don't have to do what somebody else does. Yeah. People want to project their life on somebody else. Well, we're all different. And that's also the beauty about things. That's what makes life interesting. That's why it's so lovely to meet the people. It's, you know, it's just, it is about being different. I love it. That's why I love New Orleans. There, You can't go out without seeing different people. It's not so celebrated. Because yeah. people need to be, oh, you need to be uh, uh, wearing pink pants or something. And everybody then needs to wear pink pants. No, some people who want to wear pink pants wear pink pants. You know, it's just do your own thing and don't be afraid to do it. I can get on about that. That's very upsetting. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's it's a difficult subject because I guess when you're when you're talking about it, you know, you're making me think that very often people are afraid of stepping into who they are, you know, identifying with the label of a witch, like you were talking about is, wouldn't be easy for people. Like, I know that we've even put Facebook ads before for some competitions and we just get slammed from certain groups just because of the content. And you're like, really? But, you know, at the same time, it's okay. Everyone's okay to have their own opinion but that being said you know when people aren't living in their own truth then you know they're kind of living half a life it makes me sad sometimes you know if people have to take the time to burn other people down why celebrate it if people try something else you know some things i learned are a little bit also like cultural like i'm from the netherlands People in general, if you meet somebody from the Netherlands and you say, I'm going to write a book, they'll say, oh, you will never finish it. It's very hard to sell it. They give you 20 reasons why this will not work. That's just cultural. They will help you out with telling why it is so difficult. <laughs> well, I, you know, I can think of those things myself. While living in America, people are the total opposite. They say, oh, great, just go for it. And <laughs> they are tipping the scale all the way to the other end. And then I think, oh, wouldn't it be great if we were just somewhere in the middle? Mm. But I love living in America in that sense because people are just more positive in a daily life. 
yeah, that makes it in some ways easier. But on the other hand, Dutch people are pretty open-minded. So to be a witch, nobody cares. While here, people can be uh, sometimes more religious or more superstitious in that sense, a quicker judgmental. Mm. One of the things that I was thinking about when you were speaking earlier about the cycles of the moon and, and even the, the elements and things like that is that the life of a witch would be one, I'm assuming, that's one of very often intention and, and ritual potentially. So I guess when I think about witches, I think about spells and I think about out in nature and lots of bare feet, let's say, in dancing. <laughs> that's sort of my interpretation, I suppose. So you know, in your practice of your witchcraft practice, how important is ritual and do spells and, and things like that fall into that category? I always make an altar and do little rituals sometimes there. I like to set intentions. Ritual doesn't always need to be as literal. When I walk on the beach, I try to reach out to the ocean and the, the water spirits and stuff like that. Meditation and ritual can also be in nature and I'm trying to talk to the trees or, you know, it's a moment of I let my mind wander or I throw my spirit out and I let it just wash through the forest. It's also a ritual for me. It doesn't always need to be in a strict form like at an altar and you light the candles and you cast your circle. I do those things, but I think if you only do that, that's also restricting yourself. Rituals can also be walking barefoot in the sand or dancing outside, dance in the rain and jump in those puddles. And it's important to do it and be a, do it consciously because I think you have to consciously connect with the forest or consciously connect with the ocean or the earth or stand outside in that storm and let the the wind whirl around you and the rain wash you like here you have these beautiful beautiful massive rain sometimes and it's just wonderful to soak up that energy that's the moment i use often to do a ritual or a spell or maybe even if i bake something you use your herbs to cooking or it's everywhere if you want to see it I love that. I did read on your website that, and you know, in your bio as well, that you do have a love of cooking. So I did have on the show before Quiet Coven and she is a kitchen witch. And so we talked a lot about adding those intentions into your cooking. So when did you start to incorporate part of your witchcraft practice into your cooking? And do you do that for all your meals or is it just now and again? And how does your husband feel about that? Does he know? <laughs> Uh, I think he uh, likes it. I always loved cooking and I love cooking because cooking is looser. You know, it's just like you do a little yes. this and that. And I think it's lovely to do it. And when I started, I wouldn't exactly know because I think the whole witchcraft thing has been a long time super intuitive for me. I would just do stuff without overthinking with the whole pandemic. My husband and I lost a lot of weight. And I started cooking more than I did even. I'm becoming more aware. So I love to make the food now, not also taste good, but look good. And you become more aware of what you put on it. And that's the fun part, you know, a little bit of herpy here or a little bit of herpy there. And, mm. you know, I want to be sunny. So I put a little bit of something spicy in there, fun stuff. One of the things that you also do is you make your own spells and all your spells are unique to you. Can you tell me a bit about that? 
I always loved making spells. I occasionally make them for friends or family if they needed protection. Just love making them and it's very intuitive for me. So none of the spells are the same. I just collect things constantly for it. So if I walk outside and I see something on the floor, I pick it up. Like on the beach, little shells. And at the moment, you have these little acorns. You know, everything I see, I pick up. If I'm in a store and I see something, I pick it up. If I'm at somebody and they want to part with something that's in their family for a long time or something, I'll take that. So I, you know, and, and so I accumulate a lot of little things that I can put in a spell. They have different forms, but a lot of times I make them in a little, like a locker, or how do you call this, uh, where there used to be a watch in there. Yeah, like a locket. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I, I just put little things in it. And uh, in this case, it opens up and you can see what is all in there. That's so beautiful. Specifically for today with a little stack on it. And uh, it has all sorts of things in it, like... In it, a little red rose, which represents for me home, but also is good for protection. And a little pyrite, pyrite, I would say in Dutch. It's for shielding and protection, but it also symbolizes abundance and prosperity. And then I had a little bell in it, which could alarm you to people showing up at your house or welcome them in, in that sense, or it can be used to clear a space. So I put that in there. I put a little heart in it, which symbolizes love and unity and family for me and a rocking horse, which I just basically did for a family with children. And I want to stress family for me is not only people. Family can be your animals. Family can be your friends, your community. If I say family for me, that just means people I care about mm -hmm. or animals or pets. And I put a little dial in there from a watch that I took apart. So you spent, you can spend time with friends and family, a bloodstone for the family bonds, a tiger eye for intuition and protection. Wow. Some pearls of wisdom for clarity. And I put several other stuff in there. Dragon blood, incense for protection, fairy dust for some magic in everybody's life. And a feather for air and a seashell for water. And that also represents a house because I took one that's from a snail. You know, stuff like that. And I put them all together. I just sit and I let whatever comes my feeling. And this one I make then specifically just for a happy and safe home. And I will bless it under the next full moon. And then uh, it's good to go. That is so cool. And just for our listener at home, Marike was holding up like a golden locket and it was just so beautiful. It looks really chunky. It's in a circle sort of shape. There looks to be some embezzlement, embellishment on the top. Yeah, it's, oh, right, the stag. There you go. And it's gold. And you can push the little button and it opens up. And then you yes. can, can see all the little things I had put in there. See? Yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's like all protected by a glass. So it's like this beautifully contained spell. So what would someone do with that when they got it? Would they put it up somewhere special in their home and look at it? Would they hide it away? Whatever you feel comfortable with, I would say. It needs to be somewhere in your home. 
you know, I have one hanging in my hallway, but, you know, I, I can imagine that some people are not comfortable with, maybe they have an altar, you can put it there, or even you can put it in your drawers where your clothes are or something, mm -hmm. you know, just somewhere in your house. And generally, if I make something specifically for people, like if I make something for psychic vampires or to reflect a curse or something, because I don't do curses or stuff like that, but I do make protection spells. So then I would say, hang it up somewhere where it's visible, or where you feel that it's coming at you. Why do you think spells work? Is it the intention behind them? Is it the, you know, could you say there's like, you put out that energy and that's what you're going to get back or is law of attraction of anything to do with it? Or is, is it just magic? For me, I feel the magic is an intention and feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, magic is all feeling for me feeling and being connected so the intention for me is what makes the spell work but you know i give spells to people who don't believe in it and it still works <laughs> but i still think if they ask me for a spell yes they must believe enough in it to want it yeah so there you go but uh i also think the spell doesn't last forever so it falls apart over time and sometimes that can be very quick and sometimes it can take years but they do lose power over time mm -hmm. so it's good to renew them one actually that i got back from somebody that i made for psychic vampires and that literally the glass bursted on it so then wow. it's just used up you could get another one you know right. sometimes it's visible but i would say 95 percent of the time it's not that visible sometimes you can see it unravel or it falls apart or you know, and then it's just, it's time has been and you need to have another one. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic and miracles within. Yeah, kind of like crystals, right? Sometimes crystals will crack or they'll break because they've sort of absorbed as much energy as they can. There is a limit to those things. It's not mm -hmm. like you get one and it lasts you the rest of your life. That's just mm -hmm. not how it works but i love making spells and um yeah i sell them now on my website because i wanted to integrate part of what i do and my magical world in the books and everything together on my and i did it on my website under the witch's head so i use my love for cooking and baking and my spell making and anyway you write about what you know so all these things are integrated in the books a little bit and i wanted to create a world where people can feel the world of the witches and for me it was an opportunity to put my spells into the world so mm. instead of yeah i i wanted to make a whole a complete thing out of it and we'll see right yeah i just love making spells occasionally i make them uh, if people request them but generally i just make what comes up in my head so or what I love or what looks beautiful or yeah I, I just start making them and, and it goes with ever flows in that sense so there are months and months I don't make them and then all of a sudden I make 10 or five <laughs> when you're making your spells it sort of sounds to me like you're going with your intuition so you've got an intention and then you're kind of looking around in your environment and you're finding things that gravitate towards you to support that intention is there anything that our listener at home should keep in mind if they wanted to make, let's say, their own spell? Are there any definite do's or definite don'ts that they need to keep in mind? I would say you can always look up 
like a stone? What does it mean? But in the end, if you have just a little insignificant rock on the street that means something to you, that's more powerful than anything, I think. So I don't know if people are familiar with tarot cards. I think a lot of people that listen here will. That's about association and things, you know, you see it and it means something to you. And I think that's the same with spellmaking. You have to put the things in it that represents for you what you're making. So if you make something for your home, you can look up like uh, look up runes and then find a room for protection. Put that on something and put it in your spell, for instance. But it should put it on something that represents home for you. You have to let your intuition decide what to put in there. So what does that mean to you? 70% of the time, I dare say that a lot of stuff means the same things to us. But there are that 30% that make it specifically for you. And even if that exactly the right thing in somebody else's eyes is unimportant. And that's the same if you read tarot cards, you know, they have a basic meaning, but sometimes the order or the very first thing that springs into mind when you read the cards for somebody, that is the most important thing, even though it might not be the general meaning of the card. When the universe puts something true to you and you have to trust your own instincts, very important, trust your own instincts, just go with it. And people make mistakes. So, you know, even then you learn something, just follow it. I would encourage people to just, you know, use your intuition. And the more you use it, the better you get at it because you start recognizing things. Yes. But you can't start recognizing it unless you try it. And yes, you will mess up, but that's okay. That's what life is about. And that's also in the end, your path. Yes. Wonderful. In your witch practice, what are some of your non-negotiables? Like what do you need to do every day or every week to sort of keep your practice alive and to keep yourself sort of, you know, in the state of mind that you'd like to remain in? I draw a tarot card every day. Wherever I am, I always have one at least tarot decks with me. So I draw a tarot card every day and uh, I still fall in the pitfall sometimes of thinking big instead of small for a daily tarot card, because I think the tarot card of the day represents something small in your life. And we have naturally an intention to think something big, like, oh, this is going to be life changing or whatever. Well, it's generally it can be that you cut your finger or something Uh, like the other day I had the tower. I stepped in a nail felt very tower energy in that sense yeah. so i thought you know you have to think small for the carbs a day and i always try to think back about it gosh did i see it back in my day and it's also making me familiar with the tarot deck i'm using at the time and if i like it or not because not everything resonates with you and i need nature uh, and here in new orleans i get that under the trees there are a lot of big trees and the light and the, the the energy in the air and in ireland i get it from walking in nature in the beach in the forest but i need some connection if i don't have that i get very unhappy so i need to have that at least a couple of times a week i would say mm-hmm. i go in epiflows with amount of rituals on my altar or stuff like that but i will always have a crystal in something and i you know uh there will be a crystal in my bag. Those are things I don't even think about it anymore, but you will yeah. find it everywhere. And I love lighting candles. It makes me happy. And that's a little thing, 
but still as somebody who has very little fire energy it makes a little fire in my life and and that's also because I think I write a lot about the elemental magic in my books Mm -hmm. I become more aware that I need some form of the element in my life somewhere how important are balancing the elements in your life do you find I I remember reading a book it was um oh man I'm, I'm it was like the David Wells, it was a David Wells book and it was about psychic secrets. And he was basically talking about in that book, how you need to have a balance of the elements or you're not going to be living the maximum quality life. Essentially I'm paraphrasing here. Do you find that that's the same for you? You're talking about your fire energy. I can see in your background here, beautiful candles that are lit up there that are adding that fire energy for you. So you know, are you kind of aware sometimes if you're maybe a little bit lethargic that you do need to ignite some fire to kind of get that action in? Would that be an example of using elements? I am very aware that I have very little fire energy. So I really need to consciously put that in my life to do because I learned the hard way. You can uh, think of all sorts of stuff, but you have to go and do it. If you don't do it, nothing happens. People don't come knocking on your door or, you know, stuff doesn't happen unless you step Mm. out and do stuff. And I am just one of these people. Oh, I love (laughs) to stay in the house and, you know, roll up on the couch, read a nice book. No, you have to go and do stuff. So I, with ups and downs, I'm trying to ignite some fire energy Mm. in my life. For me, anyway, life is about balance because I believe you don't have always one side. If you have one side then there is the other side as well. It might not come out as often, but it's there and generally it mm-hmm. balances out. So you have to like say you are a super kind person. Generally, if you know somebody who is really kind and sweet and lovable and always so nice, if they get angry, they are extremely angry because they never do it. It tips to, to completely to the other side. I see life and and the universe and the cycles it's all about a balance you know the moon cycle is a balance it goes up and down and it goes endless round and round life is a cycle you can't just have one thing so i also think you can't always be happy because sometimes just being unhappy is also part of about living that's when you recognize the happy moments yeah i agree and i guess honoring like we said at the beginning here the cycles of you know, where you are at in the world and, or where you are at in your life. So we're near the end of our time now, Marike. I can't believe it's been an hour, but it's like blink and it's over. Uh, I guess I was wondering whether or not you had any suggestions or any advice. If, if somebody at home is listening and they're really resonating with your path, with connecting with the elements, with honoring their own soul's journey, and maybe even starting to kind of step out of the broom closet, so to speak. Do you have any suggestions for how people can do that gracefully and, you know, in a way that's safe and maybe comfortable for them? I would start with just talk about it with friends that you feel are a little bit, at least open to it. Yeah. I feel that also that should be a natural process and don't force it, you know, do what you're comfortable with. Although I am also for stepping out of your comfort zone, because otherwise you never get anywhere. I think with coming out, do it first in a safe environment, like go to something that you connect. So go to the tarot conference and talk to people about it and they will make you feel at home. And then you feel maybe what is your power and then use your own power to put little things in life. 
you know, you can put start little things in life. You can start putting stuff in your cooking or you can say, oh, I love to go out in the rain and feel that energy of the, you know, that's a little step just to say that you feel the energy or, oh no, I now need to go in the forest to ground myself. Little things like that can set already its own that you are connecting to nature and, you know, take it slow. You know, you don't have to step out and say, oh, I'm a witch. <laughs> you know, you can just be a witch and then people will notice it at some point. I, I've been a witch for a long time and I always said, you know, you if you don't notice it, I don't know what, what you, you have not been yeah. paying attention. And now I'm just more vocal about it, but it's, I didn't change that. Nothing changed in my house. If you're in my house, you know, immediately I, yeah. it's different in that sense. It's so wonderful. Well, thank you so much, my friend, for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm going to buy my copies of the Madigan Chronicles when we get off our call here, because, you know, even just listening to you, I kind of realized how I've been hungering for a series that is all about witches. So I'm so glad that I found found you and, and I found that. Oh, thank you for your support. I, I would love to hear what you think about it. Okay. Yes. I will let you know. I'm very looking forward to it. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about though today that I didn't ask you already? And also just for our listener at home, I'll put a link to your website in the show notes so they can connect with you if they'd like to get a spell or look at the different recipes or any of your other services as well as grab the books. But I'd love to turn the, uh, the platform over to you, Marike, to, for your final thoughts. Well, I just loved being here, Lauren, and, and talk about uh, being a witch and connecting to nature because I think it's a wonderful way of living. And um, I, I would encourage people to uh, experiment. And um, yeah, if they want to know, they can go to my website, read about the books because I integrated in there a lot of real life witchcraft with a healthy dose of fantasy. I do a uh, take it into a, <laughs> a little bit of fantastical area but obviously you put stuff from your own life in there and I always say you are a little bit of each of your characters so mm -hmm. and then the spells if just you know if one resonates with you or try to make it yourself always you can always drop me a line or follow me on Instagram and ask me questions I would love to get back to you and uh I, I love to have a conversation. So um, it's easy to find me. I'm most of the time on Instagram. So that's the easiest or under the witch's head or Marie Calix or even my dogs, Urban Dog Squads. You can find me. If you want to know where I am, follow the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.